Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life as we are on the road and happy to be here on the road with you. Wake Up Call OTR is the hashtag that we use as we are on the road, on site, on location in Greensboro, North Carolina. And we are, and that is the skyline that you see behind me. So very happy to be here in Greensboro. And we have Chris Joseph on with us. We call it Tourney Time Talk is what we do every single tournament time every year right around this time right before we head into the ncaa tournament we have that week of championship week with tournaments going on all around the country and i spend the entire week with syracuse orange basketball alumni and obviously they're on with us during the season as well and now we have the opportunity to have tourney time week where we have syracuse no matter what win lose or draw for the syracuse orange men's basketball team we have their student athlete alumni here with us all the way through and it means the world to me so chris joseph is here with me right now live on wake up call with dan tortora inside of the cafe kubal studios it's been a minute so the last time that i saw chris was at nba summer league down in orlando florida so it's been a little bit here, but he's been to the Dome a lot, and I had the opportunity to see him just a few days ago. So I'm very, very much appreciative and thankful to be able to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Joseph, here with us live. Chris, how are we doing? Well, thanks for having me, first and foremost, but um, I'm doing well now. You know, we're coming off with a good win the other day on uh, Saturday in front of a great crowd, in front of some great alum. 2003 uh, national championship uh, reunion. It was a great weekend, man. So I'm feeling great. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to have you here, Chris. And, and you know, for you, when you reflect on your time at Syracuse and you look back to your years that, that you were there, what sticks out to you the most? What can you kind of, you know, what, what's kind of top of mind to you that you celebrate? When, when you walk back into the Dome, I'm sure you can't help but have some memories. What are some of those memories? Well, for one, you know, my memories start before I even, you know, get into the dome. When I take my drive from Montreal uh, to Syracuse and, you know, I, I, I'm i on the 401 headed towards the border, Thousand Islands border, and I finally cross it down on 81. That's when it starts for me. You know what I mean? I'm headed down 81 South and all these memories and the goosebumps start coming back up because I remember the, uh, the brotherhood that was formed throughout my four years um, at Syracuse. So. A lot of the guys who I <clears throat> played with, still very close with till this day, have multiple group chats with former players where you just, you know, whatever we're doing, sending uh, motivational uh, things on social media, memes, memories, whatever it may be. So for me, the brotherhood that was formed um, at Syracuse was huge. And I remember the alum, some guy, like guys like uh, John Wallace would come up, Derek Coleman, of course. And, um, at the time, you don't really... You kind of take it for granted, like, unknowingly. You know, they say things like, you know, these are going to be the best four years of your life. Make sure that you, you know, uh, take in everything. Make sure that, you know, whatever the case, all these things. I don't think to myself, like, four years, I got four years, three years left, or two years left, you know. And, you know, before you know it, it's over. And you're sitting back there, and I'm 34 today, and I sit back, and I'm like, those were the best years of my life. So for me... The brotherhood that was formed, the battles that we had on the court in practice, which led us to be, you know, some of the better teams in Syracuse history when we played together out there on the court was amazing. So those are some of the things that I that I hold near and dear to my heart. 
That coming here from Chris Joseph here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in tourney time talk for this conference tournament week. And Chris, like you said, you know, for you, it's the brotherhood for you. It's when you start that drive from Montreal. It's not getting into the dome. It's all the way there. It's it's all of those moments that you had and not just with your teammates, but like you said, with those that came before you. That brotherhood that you spoke about, John Wallace, Derek Coleman, uh, being around guys that know you, you know them because they played the game at Syracuse, you played the game at Syracuse. When you have that brotherhood and that connection, why do you think it's tight? Why do you think it's close? Why do you think that former players want to connect and you know that, that John Wallace would want to know Chris Joseph and that Chris Joseph would want to know Joe Girard III? Why do you think the brotherhood is the way it is? That that's purely because of coach. We all play for the same coach. So for me, you know, obviously every player that I, um, I'm, a, I'm a proud Syracuse alum, regardless of what. But a lot of people, who, a lot of former teammates of mine, stopped going as much when the guys who they played with. Maybe you, you were a senior when CJ was a freshman. And you know, you have three more years of CJ when you go back to campus. Sometimes when there's no more players that you uh, know. You're a little more, you know, you don't, you don't, you're like, who, who am I going to talk to when I go up there, pretty much. But uh, for me, it's coach, man. Coach, the staff, and I think guys like John Wallace, Derek Coleman, we all share that one coach in common. So they come back and it's love, you know, and then more times than not, a lot of guys who are on the staff were former players. So John Wallace coming back, there's a coach hop, you know, they, so they're just, the brotherhood just continues throughout three years because even you look at the staff now, everybody who's on there played for coach. So of course there's gonna be guys who come back and had and has had relationships with uh the guys on the staff as players or just knowing them from coming back up to campus when they were gone. So, you know, coach is the link between all of them and it's just because of how long he's been there, the great work that he's put in uh for forty eight seasons and um, the work that he continues to do so. You know, I think that's what it is. And, and again, I think everybody, a lot of guys bleed orange. A guy like uh, Dante Green, people may not see so, so often, but it was only at Syracuse for a year, but we'll give his left arm, you know, for for, for somebody from the Chiefs. He bleeds orange for real. We speak often. Um, and I think that's the feel that everybody gets. Um, and, 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 and also, I got to give credit to the fans, man. If the fans were terrible, you know, I know some some friends of mine who don't go back to their school because they feel like they don't get the love that they deserve. One thing that Syracuse Nation, you know, will make you feel is love anytime you go back to, to campus. And, you know, I spoke about driving up 81, but when you go into the dorm and I'm just, you know, sitting around and whatever seat that they give me, whatever section, and everybody around is just so happy to see me. It's like, you, you really feel like you did some great work here and you're really, really appreciated. There's nothing better than that in the world. I feel like you're appreciated for the thing that you've done. Yeah, coming here from Syracuse Orange Basketball alum Chris Joseph on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora's Tourney Time Talk all throughout the week, having Syracuse Orange Basketball alumni on the show as we have done for many, many years in many, many cities. We're in Greensboro, North Carolina this time around. Uh, Chris, you brought it up. I said, why is the brotherhood so strong at Syracuse? You said, because we all had the same coach. 47 years, Jim Beheim, almost five decades of being the head coach at Syracuse. Nobody else has done this. 
And when it comes to Division One, uh, we have never seen this. When it comes to basketball in and of itself, you don't see a coach uh, spend this much time in one place. So you said, hey, we have the brotherhood as strong as we have because we all played for the same coach. Jim Beheim is a lightning rod. And I know this. The question, it's probably the same for you, Chris. The question I get asked more than any other question <laughs> when it comes to sports every year is, when's Jim Beheim going to retire? When's he going to be done? Dan, do you know when he's done? Do you have the inside scoop? When's he done? When's he done? Is he going to be done? Is he done now? Is he done yesterday? Was he done today? Is yeah. Always, I get that. And I would love to get your thoughts on that because you played for him, because like you said, the brotherhood is strong because of him. What are your thoughts on, on Jim Beheim currently when it seems like the fan base over the last couple of years has gotten very, not everybody, but that some people have gotten very, very loud about the fact that they don't want him there anymore? Um, you know, I think that he's going to leave on his own terms when he feels, you know, ready. Um, the competitor that he is, I'm sure that going out on his own terms would probably mean going out with a with a winning season, maybe a tournament, uh, a tournament run, deep tournament run, so that his 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 last, you know, the last thing that he did would be something great, you know, making a deep tournament run or something of that nature. But honestly, I feel like he's going to leave when he's the ready. Um, he knows more basketball, you know, than a lot of people you know and I think that um, people grow restless because of course they've been treated you know almost want to say spoiled because of so many years of great basketball at Syracuse you know going back to the 80s um, that you know a couple seasons is, is a couple down seasons if you want to call them down seasons um, they are not we're not really used to it. You know, from an alumni standpoint, from thinking about, you know, my teams when I've been here, it's, it's something that we're not used to seeing. But it's something that a lot of teams in, in the country, you know, go through. The only difference is that the other schools, when when these things happen, they're getting these coaches out of here, you know, <laughs> three years into their five-year contract or whatever the case is, if they're not bringing in results. They have his, his body of work is obviously speaks for itself. You know what I mean? So um, I think we got to be more patient. You know, as, as, as hard as that may seem right now, we got to be patient, especially right now. we got a great core of guys, great core freshmen um, that can really do some great things if they stick together. But again, to answer your question, he's going to leave when he's getting ready. I have no inside scoop. I have no real opinion on when I think he should retire or not. I just know that he's a great basketball coach. Um He's coached pros. He, he knows how to get kids to the next level. His staff is great at developing talent. And, you know, when he, when he feels like, okay, I've done, you know, what I'm supposed to do, that's when he'll leave. You know, we, for all we know, he, he had an, an idea in his mind that he wanted to coach 50 years. And after 50, he might leave. I don't know. You know what I mean? So I guess we just got to stay tuned. Yeah, and like you said, you know, you don't have an inside scoop. And, and he had written in one of his books, he said, you know, <laughs> I'm going to leave, you know, like basically I'm not going to tell anybody when I'm going and I'm going to leave an orange wake, you know, in, in my, in my departure type of thing. I mean, like you said, fans are, are spoiled. And, and, and I agree with that. I know some people get offended by that, but it's reality. 
You know, when when you think every single year my team's going to get 20 to 25 wins in the regular season and they're going to go to the Sweet 16, you know, I mean, you look at your environment, Chris, there's some teams that have never made the NCAA tournament ever once. So to make the tournament would be a blessing. To win their conference tournament would be a blessing. To not have a losing record would be a blessing. There's over 350 Division I schools. And there's so many, I mean, Division One, Two, II, and Three. there's over 400 in Division Three. So, you know, you, you look at how difficult it is to make the tournament, 68 spots, 353 or 355, I think, teams at, at this time. So, so many schools out there trying to do it. Jim Beheim has had 20 wins in 41 of 47 seasons. That's including this season if it didn't happen. 41 of 47 has been to the Final Four not once, but in multiple different decades, which means that he was able to get through to student-athletes at different times during America and America's growth and progression. So to be able to go to the Final Four, to do it in multiple decades, to win a national championship, to have over 1,100 wins, and to be the only coach to do that in one place, as well as he is on a tiny, tiny list that I mentioned earlier in the show. If people do their research, which they should, when you're talking about a coach or anything, you should do your due diligence. Dean Smith and Jim Beheim are two coaches in the history of college basketball that have only had one losing season when it comes to men's division one. John Wooden had zero. So when you're looking at the list of one losing season or less, you have Jim Beheim, Dean Smith, John Wooden. I would like to think. What'd you say? I said that's great company right there. Yeah. So I would like to think if you have one losing season or less in almost 50 years, plus you've made it to the final four in multiple decades, plus you've won a national championship, plus you have over 1,100 wins. I understand people's concern with the zone right now. I understand people wanting to see some offensive plays, and I understand my thoughts on some of the things. But I would think that Jim Beheim has more than done his due diligence to leave when he wants to, when he feels like it. I, I don't I don't feel like Dean Smith was kicked out the door, and I don't think John Wooden was either. So I would think that Jim Beheim has every right, based on statistical analysis, to be able to say goodbye when he wants to say goodbye and 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 to bring it even more into reality, Chris. He's had four seasons in a row where he hasn't gotten to 20 wins. There's some coaches that have never gotten to 20 wins in the history of their coaching career. Exactly. Again, just the, when you break down analytics, I love that. You know, these are some of the stats that people do need to hear just to put things in perspective. You know what I mean? And perspective is everything. Um, I, I, and I do, I, I do get it. Because there's been times where I'm like, damn, what's going on? I mean, you know, we bought two scholarships because of whatever BS happened um, and things of that nature. But, you know, and people say we're not getting the same recruits that we used to, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we just got a McDonald's All-American and do it. We had a great freshman class coming this year. I think things are on the up and up. But those, those stats that you just reeled off are very important for the fan base to, to know and to understand because it is difficult. To, to get a win, to get 20, to get a win at this level in these conferences. We're talking, you know, in ACC, Big East, you know, the Power Five. It, it is hard to get a win. There's a lot that goes in. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of prep work. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes to be able to be ready, you know, for game day. Um, and believe me, if Syracuse is doing it, so are the other teams. So is, you know, Georgia Tech, Uvalde, Bad Loss, Tech. But these teams are, are trying to win. 
You know what I mean? So um, one win is hard to get, never alone 20. Yeah, yeah. You know, a very, very difficult thing to do, and especially in, in today's game and the way the game is played. And I do want to mention Roy Williams as well. So Roy Williams, Dean Smith, John Wooden, and Jim Beheim all one losing season or less. Coach K has had four. Granted, he was not at Duke the whole time. Jay Wright has had five losing seasons. So just to put some things into perspective for people out there that are wondering why Jim Beheim's still the head coach, you know, Chris, like you said, you know, you have no inside track to when he's going to leave. He's going to do it when he feels like he wants to do it. How do you handle it? I mean, when you're in the Dome this season, and there's like the student section is booing Jim Beheim at times. How do you handle moments like that? Well, I, I, I want to say this. The two times that I came to the Dome this year, we won. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't hear what you doing. Um, but I think that that's, uh, you know, that's, that's terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really feel like that's unfair. Um, but uh, yes, at the end of the day, playing devil's advocate, you can understand, you know, the, the frustration. I can, I can get, I understand that. But we got to have a lot more love for our coach. You know, a lot of these people in the dome, uh, coach was there before they were born and cried before their parents were born and things of that nature, right? So, um, we gotta, we gotta appreciate coach a lot more than that, you know, for all the work that he's done, for all the work that he's put in for, the city and for the program, you know what I mean? So for the university, um, so I feel like it's unfair. I, I personally, I haven't, I have never, I never knew that happened to be honest with you. So I'm shocked as you tell me this night. Now I'm shocked that that even took place. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's really unfair. That coming from Chris Joseph, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum, starting off our week of tourney time talk that we do every single season, every year around this time with Syracuse Orange alumni. Win or lose for Syracuse in the ACC tournament, we carry our conversations with those that help to build the dome that we have today and before that Manly Fieldhouse. So, Chris, before I let you go here, uh, let's let's look to this team now and, and your thoughts on the current squad. What's your What are your thoughts on this season for Syracuse, what you've seen from the guys? Granted, and I think people forget this, and I said this at the beginning of the year, when they said, Dan, how's the team going to do? And I said, nobody can answer that question with full truth. And the reason why I say that is because you have seven new faces. More than half your team is new. Benny Williams had to take on a bigger role. Joe Girard was now going to play in position at shooting guard. So, you know, you look at him switching back to the position he should have been in, You, in my opinion. You have Benny Williams that needs to do, you know, some more this season and, and rise. And then you have seven new faces coming onto the team, six true freshmen and Munir Hima coming in. I didn't think that you could say anything about this team until you actually got to watch them play together. What is your assessment of the team now that we have gotten to see them playing as many games as they had? What What's your take on the 2022-23 team? Uh, just that we need to be a little bit more consistent. You should flash it. You can be great wins against teams like NC uh, State uh, on both the lower North Carolina. You know, so we've, we've had some good wins. Um, and obviously, we've had some some really bad losses. And that's just like they do to the, um, the maturity, 
the team, you know, they're young, like you said, new faces, brand new zone. To really know the zone, it takes you, it takes a while. It's not something that you can just learn overnight and be really good at it. You know, no matter what people say, it's been a whole season and you're still losing the zone. But yeah, because teams that they're playing against are really good. You look at a game like Duke where they were penetrating the gap and the shooters. And, um, you know, we had a, a rough four, three, four games, three game stretch where teams scored nine more points against us in the zone. To the point where we had to try to play man in you know, one of our most recent games. I forget who we were playing uh, there towards the end, but um, I think it's just the youth. And that's why I feel like if this group stays together, like you said, seven to try to earn uh, playing significant minutes, you know, that's a youth playing significant minutes in a league that's full with, you know, guys who've been around for two or three years who understand the collegiate game of basketball, but not only that, that understand the ACC and what it takes to be a champion, what it takes to win in that league. So um, just the youth and the inexperience is my take on why, you know, we struggle because uh, <clears throat> when you do, when they look good, like again, like uh, on Saturday, they look great. Jesse looked aggressive, 2020. I mean, that's, that doesn't happen very, very often. The last person you do, I believe, is Paul Harris, which was over 10 years ago. So, um, you know, playing like a man out there and, uh, Joe not being like you say he's, he's getting the buddy country where he's getting face guard down here all game because they don't want him going off so now we're relying heavily on a freshman point guard um, Benny Williams who's playing an increased role but didn't play exactly as well as he could have throughout the season so it's tough you know and when you put all those things together we still find ways to dig out some wins and I truly believe that it's not 100% over. Things could happen in any tournament. A conference tournament, March Madness, where a team that wasn't supposed to lose loses. Now your next matchup, if you win, is a little bit easier. Maybe you're not looking to play a Virginia. Maybe Virginia loses to whoever they lose to. So things can happen, right? Obviously, you need a little luck. But um, overall, I think it was just an inexperience in the group that, that was our downfall. That coming from Chris Joseph, and I can understand that completely. Chris from Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball History. Uh, Chris, a final note here from you in our conversation here in Tourney Time Talk on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, what is it about Syracuse during this time of year when we're in March and we're conference tournament and, you know, obviously NCAA tournament and whatnot, what do you get excited about, you know, still as as a as an alum now when you're seeing this team, be it the Big East, the ACC, whatever it is, uh, to see Syracuse have an opportunity to tip off in a season where everything's 0-0, win or lose, what is it about March that you love so very much? You said it. You know, it's a brand new season. You have a chance to, you know, uh, give yourself a new identity, come out, give it everything you got, forget everything that's happened in the past, this past, you know, weeks, days. Now you're fully just engaged and into what's going on currently. And I think that um, we have the makeup to, to, to make some things happen because when we're all clicking, we're an electrifying team. You know, we, we have the athletes, we have the shooters, we have the inside presence, everything that we need to be successful, we have. So um, that's what it is for me. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys play. Um, and, and we're playing a, a late force in the first round. We just 
you know, had our way with the other day. Of course, you got to expect Wake Forest to come in there with a new game plan and probably try to neutralize uh, Jesse a little bit. But we have a lot of weapons on this team. It's just a matter of figuring out uh, which ones need to be, you know, going off at the right time. Coming here from Chris Joseph. Chris, as always, I appreciate it. You're from up in Montreal, so I, I had to ask you this really quick. My dad's been up to Montreal. I've been to a bunch of different parts of Canada. I'm a big-time Raptors fan, so I've been to Toronto a bunch. So two-part question for you. Why should I come up to Montreal? And secondly, are you a Raptors fan? And please understand there is a right answer to that question. <laughs> um. Montreal, if you come to Montreal, it's real poutine level, of course. You got to come up here because obviously we got the best poutine in the world. You know, okay. better than Toronto. I don't know if you've ever had one out there. I know there's, there's some places in Syracuse that say they love it, but I'm a big poutine guy. So if you enjoy a good poutine, come down to Montreal, then you'll be satisfied. And I'm definitely a Raptors fan. Definitely. Come on. I'm back from the Damon Scott of my era. Of course, growing up in Sanity, Air Canada. Um, those were. Great, great times for us in Canada where we had something to cheer for after the Grizzlies had, had moved on. So um, 100% a Raptors fan. I love that, and I love that you said, come on, man, all the way back to Damon Stoudemire. He's the reason why I'm a Raptors fan from day zero, 1994. I think the logo came out in 95. The team started competing. I've been a fan the whole time. And Chris Joe, I think we got to say this to everybody. Back in 2019, the Raptors did something that most people told me was impossible. They said, not only are you dumb for being a Raptors fan, but you like the only team that's not playing in America. How you even have an NBA team in Canada? And then they won, and I was sitting next to Katie Kalinske when it happened. Shout out to Katie and her connection to Syracuse basketball. So Katie and I were sitting next to each other at the Wildcat Sports Pub watching this game, watching this championship happen. And Chris, I'm sure you have some people out here as well as I do right now. So here's my public service announcement. Here's my PSA. To those of you that said the Raptors would never do it, that they couldn't do it, why would you like a Canadian team that's playing in America? They got nothing. Their logo's ridiculous. Have there even been Raptors in Toronto? And every other thing that you said to us over the years, Chris Joseph and I will be more than happy to send you a P.O. box to send your cards, your flowers, and your chocolates, because a lot of you still need to apologize to Chris and I, and I know that's right. 100 percent 100 percent we the north baby we the north that's right you know dude i like i got i got chills in my chest right now with you saying we the north on the show today i'm feeling that so i wish i wish you were here so we could celebrate that but uh hopefully i mean i got to see you the two times in the dome and yes syracuse won both times i look forward to seeing you soon and the next time that we do something together i would love the opportunity chris that uh when we're when we're face to face that we wear some uh, We the North gear and we do the show truly the right way. Yes, sir. That's the only way to do it. All right, Chris Joseph, Syracuse Orange basketball alum and another person that is waiting for your apology on the Raptors. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you. No problem. Thanks for having me.